from Matthew chapter 17. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. actually a high holy day in the Christian church. It's a holiday. It's Transfiguration Sunday. It's the day every year when we remember this moment on the mountain with Jesus. And it's also the last Sunday before we begin our season of Lent, which is the season leading up to Easter. And I have been thinking a lot about this season lately, mainly because it snuck up on me in a way that I was not ready for, and suddenly Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and I didn't have anything ready yet. And I keep thinking about how this season that we're coming into is one of my favorite in the church, and it's partly because I finally get to dye my hair purple again this week. I've been waiting, and I'm excited. But it's also partly because I just really appreciate this time, these 40 days plus Sundays, to just be. To just be with Jesus along his journey. To just be in God's presence. And as I was thinking about that more, I realized that even though Lent has these meditative qualities to it, even though this season is supposed to be drawing us closer to God and to one another, even though we're supposed to be providing time and space during these 40 days, it's also the busiest season in our church. From Wednesday weekly services, <coughs> preparing Holy Week and Easter, and on and on, I realized something even more during last week's conversations and like our faith formation time. It's how easily we turn this season of preparation, of growing closer to Jesus, of recognizing God's gifts for us, how easily we turn this time into just another thing we do. Both in Sunday mornings, faith formation time, and especially in Tuesday mornings, women's Bible study group, when we talked about the meaning of Lent, we talked about this reality that for many of us, we are struggling to sense God's presence, to witness God's glory in the midst of the to-dos of our lives. And it really isn't just a Lent-only phenomenon, right? It's not just these 40 days where we feel too busy or we feel like we are not necessarily having those spiritual, meaningful moments. 
many of us are struggling to just be with God these days, to witness God's glory around us, to recognize God's presence in our midst. We're busy. And even if we're not that busy, we often will find ways to become busy. And I think it's not new. It's not a new part of the human experience because even back 2,000 years ago, Peter pretty much immediately starts looking for work to do in response to God's call to just be. Here he is with a few other disciples at the top of a mountain in our reading today, and they witness together God's glory in this most blazing, bright, dazzling splendor through Jesus. There's a reason we sing shine, Jesus, shine today. Jesus, their friend and teacher who they've been following, who they've been hoping is the Messiah, the King that they've been waiting for, this Jesus is transfigured, and among his shining glory, Moses, who represents the law, and Elijah, who represents the prophets, appears among them. And Peter witnesses these three greats talking to each other. I kind of imagine it as like the rock stars of Peter's time just appearing in front of him and they're just like hanging out and chatting about music together. Like that's exciting, right? And I think like any of us, Peter's initial reaction isn't to just witness this. Peter doesn't give prayers of thanks or meditate on the incredible gift that he's witnessing. He jumps into action. He finds something to do. He tells Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He's ready to start building houses in response to what he sees. And I don't fault Peter for this. I think it's a totally normal, totally human reaction to what he's experiencing. He wants to hold on to this beautiful, amazing experience, and he wants to participate in it. He wants to do something. And there will be plenty of opportunities for Peter to do something outside of this moment. He becomes the foundation of the church. He has plenty of work to do in the future around preaching and teaching and healing and creating spaces for people. But before he can do any of those things, first he just needs to be in this moment. Before he can do, God is calling him to just be, to witness God's glory in Jesus, to be in the presence of this cloud of God's glory around them. And like days of old, before Peter can say another word, before he can turn this moment <coughs> into just another thing he does, God's glory appears to them in another way in a bright cloud that overshadows them, a cloud much like the one that Moses found at the top of Mount Sinai in our Exodus reading. Moses was ready to go and get things done, to get those commandments and bring them back to the people because they need them, right? So Moses goes up to the top of the mountain, and as soon as he gets to the top, God's glory appears as a cloud covering the top of the mountain. And it's six days before God begins to speak. Six days, sitting in God's presence, in God's glory, before Moses could even begin the work with God that would take another 40 days. Six days to just be, to just be with God, to experience and witness and prepare. Before Moses can do, he just has to be. 
I think both of these readings today are reminding us of how important it is to create space during this time to recognize and be in God's presence. For us, God's glory might not look like a shining Jesus directly in front of us. It might not look like a blazing fire once God begins to speak to Moses as they work on the Ten Commandments. God's glory around us might not look like a cloud, although we do live in the Northwest, and it's probably the most common way we might see God's glory. I wrote in my manuscript, it's cloudy today, because this morning when I was editing and finalizing this, it was storming and cloudy outside. And today, and now it's already sunny again. God's shining bright. And as we begin this season on Wednesday, with our Ash Wednesday service, I wonder how we might let go of some of that busyness in our lives. Hey, Trudy, you okay? No. What's going on? I don't know. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. We're working. Okay. You want to come and sit right here? You can be right by me. Um, you can sit right here. Thank you. You're okay. All right. Oh, yeah. You're good. As we begin this season, as we get ready for Ash Wednesday, I wonder how we might let go of some of that busyness in our lives. I wonder how we might find some space, some time, some sense of God's presence, God's glory, God's gifts to us. And maybe that's through doing some self-exploration with our spiritual gifts assessment that we gave out last week and are still available this week. Maybe it's trying some prayerful discernment around where and how God's voice might be speaking to you. Maybe it's in creating space for yourself to experience God's presence, God's glory in your life so that you can go and do the many things that you are called to do. And maybe it's just in slowing down Figuring out how to say yes to the do's and the meaningful things that you were called to say no to, too. So much of our lives becomes to-do lists. What might our experience of God's presence in our lives look like if we think deeply about what we have to do and what we're called to do? What if those mundane things that we feel like are just another thing we do are really something that God is actually active in? God's presence is there, even in the most mundane, maybe boring kind of chores and activities and everything we do in every aspect of our lives, right? It's not just in those really spiritual moments where we really just feel God's presence around us. It's in the moments where we are gathered together, where we can feel that presence, that connection. And so maybe it's still saying yes to the things that come up, that fill our schedules and our lives, but seeking God's presence through them. And maybe it's not a cloud, but maybe God's presence for you is a moment of laughter or joy together. Maybe it's a moment of connection with another person. Maybe God's presence for you is that peace that comes in the silence of just being. Moses waited for six days. I'm going to try an experiment. What if we give 60 seconds right now to just be? To just be in God's presence, to just be with one another, to just wait and listen for God? Yeah, I'm 
hear the birds outside? <laughs> I totally understand how hard it might seem, or even how scary it might be, to just be. What if we try and create time and space and we still don't experience God's presence? What if by saying no, that means something falls through the cracks? There are reasons we find ourselves turning moments and experiences into another thing we do. I think some of it is that we find comfort in having things to do, and I think we struggle with some fears around all of this. Some fears of what it is to just be. After Peter tries to take this moment and hang on to it, as he tries to find something to do with this moment in our reading, God is already there, interrupting him. With Jesus, this Messiah, this King of Kings, and in this cloud that covers over them, the cloud provides a voice that interrupts Peter and says, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. To God's Son, the Beloved. Listen to him. And this is when the disciples are afraid. They weren't afraid of Jesus shining, dazzling, or the appearance of two Bible heroes who were long dead. But God's voice in the cloud declaring who Jesus is and calling the disciples to listen, to be, that's what's scary. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For all the times we're afraid to be alone with our own thoughts, for all the times we worry that we're not doing enough or we're doing too much, for those of us who are struggling to just be with God these days, to witness God's glory around us, for all the times that we struggle to feel God's presence or to feel connected to one another, for seasons like this, Jesus reaches out to us, reaches out to us saying, get up and do not be afraid. Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Man, dies and rises from the dead to bring God's presence, God's glory, to the entire world so that we do not have to be afraid, that we can actually find God's presence around us, so that we can get up and share God's glory with those we meet, so that we might listen, experiencing and sharing the gifts that we are given, so that before we go and do, first we can just be with the one who loves us, the Son of God, Jesus, our Lord and King. Amen. Amen.